Awesome date. November 16th, 2009. Awesome topic. More awesome than you can shake a barrel of rocket punches at. This is the Awesome Cast. Awesome cast. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. And joining us through the power of the internet, Daryl Surratt, Anime World Order Podcast, and OtakuUSAMagazine.com. And also a real magazine. In bookstores everywhere. So, what kind of magazine is it? It is a magazine about Japanese cartoons, comics, pop culture, detritus, toys, tokusatsu. Live action movies, all that good stuff, you know, things that appeal to awesome people. Awesome. So, when's the latest issue hitting? Uh, the latest issue is actually out right now. It's got a uh, clamp on the cover, but don't let that stop you because <laughs> I got to talk about Monster, which is currently airing on the Sci Fi Channel. I highly recommend everybody watch Monster, among other things. So, uh, you know, it's pretty pretty wide range of material covered in there i don't want to you know give it all away people seem to have this idea that all i talk about is old stuff being uh you know guests on podcasts where the subject is what we're going to talk about may not help with that reputation but you know we, we <laughs> but get it's new stuff that's also old stuff I, I think it's more we talk about the new stuff in the magazine and we do the podcast about you know this kind of stuff Right. That Someone said, about it. <laughs> that said, uh, you know, we I hate to do this, but there is a slight turmoil issue with the Anime World Order podcast, namely our crappy hosting. So in the event that you find you're unable to download our show when the next episode comes out, either tonight or tomorrow, and you hear this episode come uh, Monday, we're actually recording this on the auspicious Friday the 13th. I'm going oh, yeah. to say that, you know, please send me money <laughs> if you go to AnimeWorldOrder.com <laughs> and make donations so I can uh, pay for a Libsyn account. Because right now we pay uh, about $2 a month <laughs> for hosting, and Libsyn is like 60 So I don't, I don't have that kind of money from T-shirt sales. So, Man, um, I'm, I guess I'm glad I'm not that popular yet. I, I didn't think I was either, but there you go. What mm. are we talking about? on this uh, exciting episode of the awesome cast minus half the awesome cast. Well, let's see stuff. That is awesome. I guess we can move straight on to the, uh, the world of awesome, which is news. Oh yes. I mean, well, it's news. There is news in the world today. Maybe. Unfortunately, I didn't find much the way of interesting anime news. So all the news I have is all video games. And always we have video game news that's interesting. 
is because Kojima doesn't know how to shut his mouth. <laughs> this is true. Darryl. I never would have guessed that Hideo Kojima wouldn't know to shut his mouth based <laughs> on the length of your average Metal Gear Solid cutscene or conversation. I know people really hate the fact that those things go on and on, but I want to listen to the whole thing. That's my gaming experience. Don't ever give that man an editor. He just writes it all. doesn't (laughs) cut a thing. It's true. Never stop. Hour and a half (laughs) cutscene. I'm pretty sure. Sometimes you pause it. It's not like Xenosaga. Actually, I think you could pause Xenosaga cutscenes. I don't remember because Xenosaga wasn't that good a game. Hey, well, <laughs> wow, that was unpleasant, but. Okay. Well, uh, I actually kind of like Xenosaga, except for the middle game. Totally sucked, but yeah. <laughs> I never got past it, although there was one minor character whose name was Basil, so I'll give them props to for that. Your favorite movies of all time are like the Austin Powers trilogy. Oh man, when I'm the great mouse detective. (laughs) Growing up, you know, whenever an Austin Powers film would hit, I'd go, Hey Basil, I heard your name in a movie. I'd be like, Oh really? I can never guess which one. Spice Rack the Motion Picture. I wish. Snowmobile scene in that was awesome. But Kojima, man, with you know, you take two parts cutscene for one part gameplay. Apparently, he's having issues with his uh, his staff playing gal games. <laughs> of all things, a actually a Konami gal game for the DS. Apparently, Konami staff is not known for actually playing Konami games. <laughs> is it Tokyo Mac Memorial? Uh, no, it's apparently called Love Plus. God. We pre- where you pick one girl from you know, their, their stable of all sorts of moe moe desu desu whatever conglomerates. And then you pretty much are just their boyfriend for the duration of the game. Which is possibly forever reading the description. <laughs> Considering it, it's apparently kind of plays like Animal Crossing and lets it pretty much goes on forever. Where you take them on like virtual dates and stuff. It's it's very, very creepy. And I, think, I have a feeling this might be one of the signs. So what did the- Kojima say that he didn't know to shut his mouth? It sounds like he's got a good cause to rail against. And he pretty much says like, you pretty much never see Konami games become popular among the employees at Konami themselves. I think Love Plus is the first one. You you see people sneaking in time in the bath, sneaking time for it in the bathrooms and so on. I don't want to know what they're doing in the bathroom. I guess they're not going to playing it at their desks. I would guess that the reason that Konami games aren't popular, Konami, is probably because they're so busy working on the game and they just never want to see the damn thing ever again. Then you know, finishes off with, "I was raised on Japanese games, and we didn't make." We made Metal Gear Solid 4 because we wanted to make the Japanese game industry a better thing. I wanted the rest of the industry to pick up the torch afterwards, but I'm not really seeing anyone do it do so. Well, I think Kojima just had to make video games because no one would let him make a, like, 30-hour movie. Yeah, that's true. 
You don't get those anymore. No, no, you don't get those. Not even in Bollywood. It's true. But in other Kojima-related news... He was also on a... He was talking with some other people about adventure games. It was with um, himself. It was with, uh, I think, Famitsu. And he was talking with um, game adventure writer Jiro Ishii, who I believe is the man between uh, 428 in the Block City Shibuya, which is a game that we'll never get because it's an actual visual novel. Yeah. So in other words, it's a game in air quotes. Right. They also had uh, Shu uh, Takumi, the writer of the uh, Ace Attorney series. Which is pretty much a visual novel that we got anyways. Go fig. Well, at least you do things in Phoenix, right? That's just, you know, not constantly click next page. I kind of got a lost interest in Phoenix, right? When they decided, let's make these games really long and make them really long in the parts that I'm not interested in. Namely, all the stuff that's not the courtroom scene. It's like, this is not why I'm playing your game, Phoenix, right? I'm playing your game so I can call people out on their lies and deceptions and have, like, Harvey Birdman-like antics. And you go and you take a page from the Harvey Birdman game that was taking a page from you, only it wasn't as good. It's like, come on, Phoenix, right? I know you're getting lazy. I know you're looking at, like, the blackboard that says, like, key to success. And it's just like a big letters, like, yowie, and underline. It's like, all right, stop being, like, the gayest game ever, Phoenix Wright. I get that, you know, most everyone I know who likes this game is a crazy fangirl. But maybe, just maybe, you should remember to put in a game every now and again. But no, I guess we're going to have to look forward to the all Edgeworth and Gumshoe game that's, you know, not even a Phoenix Wright game anymore. It's just like... like- CSI done in like CSI if it's done in the Phoenix Wright world or not CSI Law and Order boy I feel okay (laughs) only if they could use like the awesome sound effect whenever they change scenes in my mind it'll be there so what was Kojima doing with these crazy folks well they were talking about things like apparently both um, this guy Ishii and Kojima they were both heavily influenced by Blade Runner in fact this I never would have guessed that Hideo Kojima was heavily influenced by Blade Runner. Uh, Not oh, never. in a million years. Like, yeah. Who has played there. Snatcher? Yeah, well, they were there talking about yeah. mostly was Snatcher. What was Snatcher? <laughs> and apparently, um, Ishii, he made a game called Imitation City, released a year before Snatcher, that was very much a Blade Runner-style adventure game. Snatcher is kind of cool. It's been a real long time since I've been able to play that but who remembers the blade runner game that was made by westwood it was all fmvs and you had like multiple different endings or like each time you played it different characters would be replicants that you know maybe weren't necessarily in the previous time you played it i remember reading about it but i never yeah, had a chance never to try it. it it was one of those like took up seven cds back in the day because <laughs> so much of it was video yeah but he, uh, Jim noted between him and this issue guy that the only difference is that he's been able to keep making adventure games. <laughs> it's funny to think that during an era where there's nothing but Mario style games, there was somebody else out there who wanted to make a Blade Runner like title a year before me to boot. It took me a year and a half to get Snatcher done. I had six chapters planned out, and they told me to cut it down to two. That was back when 
someone who could tell Hideo Kojima to cut things down to be shorter, and you would have to listen. Cut that down a little bit, man. It's going to be 30 hours of cutscene. But he says awesome things like, younger people probably wouldn't understand, but you know, Gunbuster, right? That was sort of created as a giant homage by a bunch of science fiction geeks. Snatcher was pretty much the same way. There's a ton of references to the game that sort of skirt copyright laws. I never worried about that back then because doing what I like in games, interactive foreign media, was in itself a new thing to me. The industry sort of grew along with me before I realized it. I started to work with really big budgets. I can believe that. I mean, the thing is, the whole adventure game in general is kind of just rendered completely dead because of the internet, specifically because of game facts. But I mean, in those days, adventure games were things like, okay, I don't know what to do. I have to figure out what I want to do. And if you get stuck, you're stuck for a while until you figure out what you want to do and then you feel really proud of yourself. Nowadays, the second anyone is just even remotely confused about what they need to do next in a game, they just check the internet immediately. And so adventure gaming has largely fallen dead. I mean, we've gotten some like um, episode content things like the Sam and Max game, like the new Monkey Island, yeah. that sort of thing. But for the most part, I mean, I don't think we're going to be seeing that entire genre anymore. It's kind of sad. There's a lot of genres that have just, they used to exist in my childhood, and now they're just completely gone, either due to the internet or due to the, just the fact that people think, oh, these are the genres of games, and that's it. Yeah, I, I have fond memories of point-and-click adventure games, and those are mostly really old titles now. Although I don't know, I mean, for one, they're they're doing a lot of pushing that onto new platforms, like the older stuff. Right. Like there's Broken Sword on the DS that came out a few months ago. That get a they actually read it off like the animation and stuff. That actually looks really good for a DS game. Mm-hmm. And then you have all the stuff that they're putting out on like iPhone and Steam and whatnot. So we might actually be getting like you know new people into the genre. So we might actually see newer games. And I think it's been one of those things where you know, adventure games are hurt most by game facts. But I think a lot of the people who play the games or will still play them enough to keep the, you know, the niche audience game going probably know not to. Yeah, we can. So it might be able to, like, you know, stick around on life support at the very least. Or they just need to be really funny like the Sam and Max games. I do know that they are possibly considering bringing over the second Hotel Dust game in America when it comes out in Japan. And that was a cool game. That would be cool. They did actually, uh, apparently, Majestico is bringing a game called Ghostwire to the DSi. It's actually one of the first ever DSi um, only games because it uses the uh, camera. And what it does is it's not so much a pure adventure game. Is that what it does is as, it, as you uh, wave your camera around, like, the room, it takes – it just discovers, like, invisible entities like ghosts or spirits or shadows and demons – that you then have to like interact with. I'm gonna buy this game and freak out my little cousin with it. <laughs> Which it sounds kind of interesting. I don't know if it's how well it's gonna do as a full game. It sounds more like one of those like DSI Lair games that you could yeah. probably download and play, but I don't think that's Majestico's bag. Yeah, but totally Susan Lee need to get a DSI so they can buy this game. 
That's all I know. That's it's right up there, Allie. But but speaking of horrors, speaking of things that make me scream and, and run away uh, in terror, and the uh, final to top off our Kojima fest. Apparently, there was a Twilight art contest, and Kojima was one of the judges. In Japan, we should yeah, in the Japan, it was for the um, the release of the uh, New Moon illustration. I guess New Moon's the new movie. Yeah, that's coming out. Yeah, and Kojima is one of the. Uh, apparently, he's a big fan. Well, everyone has to have a flaw or two. <laughs> yeah, I. I Bad werewolves is all I have to say They're about They're not the even werewolves. <laughs> that's not what a werewolf does. But this is a franchise where that's not what vampires do, so uh, it's par for the course. It's I, Mormon propaganda by a crazy Mormon it is, lady. It is. The, the only thing I've ever seen good at come out of Twilight is actually, you know, Daryl recorded it. When they plastered one of Gerald's roommate's you know, room with That's pictures right. of it was probably the finest six dollars. It might have been a seven dollar expenditure <laughs> that we ever spent because you know she went out clubbing, and so we were out and in the mall, and we were like, ah, a poster book. It was like one of those I don't know Us Weekly Twilight Special or something or whatever. Right. It had on the cover like comes with seven posters, and we were like, haha. <laughs> Well, we're just going to buy this and put the crap all over her room and hope that she comes back drunk and then wakes up and sees all this stuff. It didn't quite work that way. They sort of noticed it immediately. They weren't as drunk as they usually get. But it was still (laughs) pretty good, I thought. You can go and check that video out still. It's on YouTube.com slash Anime World Order. I'm told there was a retaliation, but I don't live in that house, so... (laughs) <laughs> it's all good for me, for me the only good thing to come out of Twilight is there's so many better vampire movies that are getting put back on movie shelves because that people are into vampires right now like Vampire Hunter D I don't see that one or Vampire no. Hunter D Bloodlust I don't see that one either I no but let's face it any vampire movie with the possible exception of the two Blood Rain movies is better than Twilight Although I, I still hold my belief that really the best adaptation or the real proper interpretation of Twilight is still, in fact, Helsing Ultimate. Yes, that's what Twilight... If Twilight was Helsing Ultimate, I would watch it. That's totally a loaded statement. <laughs> it's true. Yes. But I firmly believe in, like, I think if you just took your Alucard in the place of Edward and mm. Ceres as the girl... And Nazis... The yeah, Nazis. added Nazis. On a the they the, sang the, the theme song the, to Fist of the North Star 2. Yeah. Uh, you have the awesome chick with the rifle, which poor girl didn't realize was useless against a guy who's immune to bullets. But whatever, you know. It was a magic musket. It could have worked. <laughs> no, it couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But half the fun is them trying to go, ha-ha, we could take you out, Alucard. Whoa-ha-ha, Alucard's, whatever. 
<laughs> you guys. Well, no vampire ever thinks that they're a wuss in comparison to anything. Even so. the Anne Rice vampires, which are the wussiest vampires of all time, probably still think they're badasses. And they are yeah. not. If you're in a vampire no. fiction thing and there are frilly shirts involved or people <laughs> looking pretty, you are a terrible, crappy piece of garbage. The only cool vampire things are the ones where vampires are these, like, sick, horrible beasts that got to get put down, preferably by a guy with a sword. D, Blade, you know, Alucard doesn't really have a sword, but, you know, he has guys with blades, and that works. You know, generally speaking, you know, vampires and things, not a good thing, especially anime. Anime track record with vampires is dismal. And they all go on Cartoon Network. And they're all <laughs> bad. So have you seen the trailer yet for the uh, Dante's Inferno anime compilation disc they just announced? Yeah, I think I saw it. And I was kind of confused that it's an anthology piece. And generally speaking, to date, almost all, if not all, the anime anthologies that have been made have been good ones. The Dante's Inferno one, I'm not so sure. But... The thing, nature of anthologies is usually there's some that are really good and some that are like, eh, whatever. So hopefully it turns out that way. Now, I haven't seen all of them yet. I still need to actually catch up, check out Gotham Knight. But it really seems to be really very similar that a lot of the same guys are doing a lot of these same compilations. Yeah, it's because I, mean, I think Gotham Knight was actually pretty average, and I think the reason it was average was because the writing was still done by the same people who write the comics, that most of which aren't that good. But in the case of why they keep going to these same studios, I think the answer is just that nobody else knows how to do it anymore. Like, you gotta go not just to Madhouse, but specifically to Yoshiaki Kawajiri, the guy who did Ninja Scroll and Vampire yeah, yeah. and Bloodlust and stuff. In every single one of these um, Western collaborations with anime studios, chances are he's usually got some involvement. I mean, not every single one, but a lot of them, he's there. And it's because his stuff is more popular here in America than Japan. But yeah, he gets he goes so violent over the top, they always like cut him down. And I think for Gotham Knight in particular, he... The only segment that doesn't actually have a full cast listing is the Deadshot one, which I thought was actually the best one. But I guess they must have cut that down for violence because he just says, you know, take my name off that, and it just says Made by Madhouse. But <laughs> nice. you, you look at the artwork on that, and it's pretty unmistakably. Yeah. That's the guy who did Ninja Scroll and Vampire Hunter D and Cyber City 080 and all that. But I, I think it's, yeah, it's just the anime industry is in this position where Pretty much all the new talent goes to video games, and a lot of the older talent is either getting too old and retiring or dying or getting out of the game such that, you know, there's just not that many people who know how to do that stuff anymore. And so that's why they keep going to the same couple people every time there's a collaboration sort of effort with, like, short little anime pieces. That's my guess anyway. Well, and as you said, they're the ones that a lot of these are the ones that are most familiar to a Western audience who maybe doesn't watch anime all the time. Well, they wouldn't know the names in any case. They wouldn't say, oh, by the guy who did this, oh, sign me up. They don't know that stuff. It's more just like the literal technical know-how. Like, for example, we're going to talk about a robot show on this episode. 
They usually, Indeed. in 2009, it is a rarity to see not just a robot show, but a robot show where the mecha are not done in CG. Why is that? It's true. And the reason is, is that there just aren't people who know how to draw robots anymore in anime. They're like literally like with a pen, draw a robot, animate a robot. They can't do it. That's why they need like 3D artists to model a mecha. And they say, okay, we'll render all the mecha in CG and cell shade it. Because people don't really know how to design mecha and stuff anymore. The people who do are working in the video game sector now. That's, and that's why. And if it's not done by Shoji Kawamori, they'll probably look like crap. <laughs> well, Kawamori's getting all up in the years, too. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's a, a good designer. I mean, there's a couple good designers, but you'd think, like, where's the next wave? How come all these guys who are designing mecha are these guys who've been working for decades? It's because there aren't really uh, people into robots quite as much, it seems. Maybe that's why we don't have any actual mecha anime this season. Or we all pin our hopes on Gundam Unicorn to hopefully be good. Yes, please be good, Gundam Unicorn. I think it'll be good. I, I think Sunrise knows that they gotta appease their Gundam fandoms. Then again, we also got Destiny. Yeah. I, I like to think they've learned lessons from Destiny. I don't think they <laughs> learned lessons from Destiny. I think if you look at the flaws of Double O, they're maybe not as egregious as Destiny but they are still the same flaws. That and Destiny was actually kind of popular in Japan. <laughs> How could Destiny actually... No, I, I strongly doubt that. I think the initial start of Destiny, it opened pretty strong, and then as it went, people just stopped caring. That's my guess. Yeah, I I watched all of it, and when I finally broke my point, I was actually cheering for the previous season's hero to finally show up and just stop the idiots that were doing whatever they were doing. They I realize I still was kind of lost. They had a good... I don't want to talk about this any more than I have to because it'll make me really upset. I mean, yes. you know, see Destiny is just this show I watched all of, constantly thinking, okay, all they need to do is this, and it'll fix everything. It'll even retroactively fix all the stuff they screwed up. And time and again, they kept screwing it up and screwing it up. Like, they had their outline of where they wanted to go, and had they just stuck to that and implemented it at a reasonable pace, it would have been good. But really what happened was they had, like, their broad outline. This is, okay, by episode so-and-so, this, 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 and this needs to happen. And they spent, like, nine episodes doing nothing. And then they said, oh, crap, we got to have all this stuff happen. And then in half an episode's time, they just did a bunch of stuff. And it just lost you total impact. I just... Those guys haven't worked in anime again since, as far as I can tell. I think maybe one of them is dying, but who cares? The hell Possibly. Is Destiny. Yeah. Let us the never speak of it again. Yes. Director's wife. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, let's, let, let's just drop that there. Okay, yeah. Let's just, no more. All right. Sorry. No then let's talk about things that are awesome, moments of awesome. Well, I know that Kevin and I's moment of awesome are probably the same thing. It, it, I really haven't been doing anything else, so yeah. Because uh, with the, have you been able to find anything really of note in the latest season of Anime Daryl? Really of note? It's kind of hard to say. I mean, most everything that's running now is a sequel 
that I would be watching. Like, there's season two of Astro Fighter Sunred, which is going to be reviewed in the next AWO. There's season two of Darker Than Black, which, to be honest, is not all that good. I mean, Darker Than Black is all right. It's got its moments, but uh, it isn't the greatest. And then there's Trapeze, which is really experimental and strange, and I can't really recommend it to other people. But other than that, pretty much everything running right now isn't that good. I was looking forward to the new Romance of the Three Kingdoms, not like the Koihime Muso one where it's all cute girls, but like the actual anime Romance of the Three Kingdoms. But I haven't really seen anyone subtitling it. Maybe I just aren't looking in the right place. I haven't seen it either. (laughs) Uh, I'm really looking forward as far, like there's one thing that I'm looking forward to as far as TV, I think it's a TV show, and it starts in January. It's called Durara. This is from yes, the people who made Bacano. Yeah, and Bacano was the best show of the year in 2007. And if it's as good as that, and I hope it is, because it's got pretty. It's from the same author. It's got pretty much the same, same director, staff, same director, all that. This is going to be a good show. Unfortunately, the thing about Bacano that it was like it was unexpected. It came out of nowhere. Now I'm going to this show with a preconceived notion of okay, anything short of best thing ever, and it's going to feel like a letdown. But it's just it's such a dire scenario where there's so many anime shows this season, and none of them I'm interested in. Like I'm not watching anime at all right now. Like yeah. new anime. Now I'm not either. All I've been watching, even really, with Japanese is uh, Kamen Rider and Super Sentai. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I, I'm pretty easy to keep in, its, in my cage, in my bottle. As long as I got one thing to hold on to, then I'm good. At the beginning of the year, 2009, it's like, okay, you know, Gogo 13 is starting to wrap up, but I got Hajime no Ippo. But then Ippo ended, and then it's like, oh, okay, but we still got Mazinger, which we're about to talk about. And then I was like, okay, I'm good. And now Mazinger's over, and I, I got nothing. I got no show for me to keep watching. So I can either go to the Infinite Backlog, yeah, which you know is harder to do than you know it seems sometimes, even though I got tons of it. Or I can just lose my mind. I mean, right now I would say now is a good time to go on Hulu. And start watching Prince Planet. I mean, what do you want? Yes. <laughs> like, I actually ended up um, going to some of the old, some of the well, not older, but some. Well, I guess it is older now. Tomino shows. Like, I started watching Turn A. Turn A is different. I mean, it's not really Turn-A. like robot show. Robot show. It's kind of. It's 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 all right, but it it does take its time. It's sort of a slow burn. Yeah, I eventually got tired of watching the two factions be utter idiots at each other. It gets better. So, well, I know that it is. I'm going to go back to it. But then I said, screw it. I realized I saw Kevin's copy of Overman King Gainer and popped that instead and marathoned and that, it. And that's pretty crazy right out the bat. Yes, yeah. it's awesome. I think that's really one of the things that sort of is this troublesome thing for the mecha genre, specifically the Sunrise Mecha show. For years, my years, I mean decades, they've been content to make these shows that are about 50 episodes long, such that the first 13 episodes, nothing happens. Nothing happens at all. It's just there to be like, okay, in these 13 episodes, I now know what this side is and what that side is and what everybody's name is. But in that time, 
they're just kind of spinning their wheels. It's just sort of, okay, this is how the world works. This is sort of the history of everything. Characters. Introducing characters. And things don't actually really pick up until around episode 13 or 14. And nowadays, people don't have the patience for it. People are accustomed to 13 episodes being an entire show. Yeah. And so it's just, too, it's just too hard to sell to tell someone, okay, this show gets good by the fourth disc or by the second box set or whatever you want to call it. It's, uh, these are shows that are meant to be watched on TV for free, and then you buy the toys. <laughs> kind yes. of like, you hit episode 20 of Gal Geiger, and it's awesome. I, I said episode 24, personally. But you know what? Your mileage may vary. Yeah. And yes. Okay, that was one of the shows that I actually watched and was like, I have to watch how many episodes? <laughs> no, I was just like, skip, skip straight to it because they can do a recap episode that says, all right, this is what happened in those episodes you just skipped. Because what happens prior is all just uh, Monster of the Week. Monster of the Week, Filler. standard kids show. You've seen it a hundred times. I, mean, I enjoyed can, it, once yeah. You, once you know what's happening, you can see they're sort of setting up for what's about to happen if you know what's about to happen. But it's not going to win any converts if you just show someone Gal Gagar. It's a, just a really hard show to sell people on. And yet, you know, there's a huge fan base for it on the Internet because once it gets going, it gets going. So a lot of people watched uh, Tengen Topa Garen Lagan, And so... If you, the way to get people on Gal Geiger is to tell them, okay, you like that show, start watching this from this point. And then if you like it, go back. And then maybe you slide them to Get a Robo, and it's all over. <laughs> yes. Once you get them on Get a Robo, there's no turning back. But actually, in some ways, I guess I'm fortunate in that the anime season sucks because I've been playing a lot more video games. Yeah, that's my fortunate thing, too. I haven't played video games in forever. What have you been playing? Uh, well, I just topped off Brutal Legend and Uncharted 2, and now I I'm still haven't started the first Uncharted. <laughs> I need to play that, too. You don't really need to play the first Uncharted to play Uncharted 2. Yeah, but I mean, but it's there's more certain like characters the first that game really... was pretty good, right? The first game is really good. It has a couple of annoying sections, which they leave out of the second one. But there's some really good characters in the first one that don't make nearly enough appearances in the second one. So I almost tell people to go play the first one just so you get that interactions that you're not going to get in the second one. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, let's see. As far as games I've been playing, I guess you've been playing Brutal Legend and Uncharted 2. Uh, how about you? Um, well, also finished, played Brutal Legend just recently. Um, I could not get into Brutal Legend. I mean, I like the theme, I like the story and the characters and all that, but does it really need to have real-time strategy on the console Uh, controller? I mean, there's all these, like, different little annoying modes that are like, this is not the game that I would want to play. It works better than it seems like it will. Like... For me, it's weird because I normally don't like real-time strategy games, but I love the battles. Well, I tolerated the battles, which for me is the closest thing you get to love of real-time strategy. Mostly because I would just, whenever um, it would happen, I would just go, okay, I'll pick these units, throw them over there, then I'd go and start slashing crap with my axe. That generally works, or picking up the flag they rally around and 
walking around with it while you hack people, so everyone walks over to you. But yeah, I still haven't played that. I mean, uh, I'm kind of sad that see that it's not selling a little better because Tim Schafer never seems to catch a break, even though I don't think he's really made a bad game. Yeah, the man deserves a hit somewhere. Really? And I thought this had all the you know the makings of the closest thing he was going to get to it. With I mean, he had Jack Black in his corner. He had Jack Black pushing the game everywhere he went. Yeah, yeah he, he had like the whole metal theme, and people were big into Metalocalypse and that kind of you know vibe. And I heck, I tried to push the game, and people just like buy Brutal Legend. <laughs> I ended up actually having to buy two copies: one for myself, one for my friend's birthday. Just to make sure that more games cut out there. It's a real shame that it, yeah, it's not doing nearly as well as I was hoping. I was hoping at least would crack the MPD, and it didn't even come close. I want to hear. Well, at least it didn't bomb as big as Tekken Six. I feel I so believe- mad. I didn't get in on that thirty-dollar Tekken Six with a joystick deal on Amazon. Sold out <laughs> instantly. Motherfuckers. I didn't like know there was a deal until show. you told me. There was a lightning deal on. today that was oh, like, wow. you know, $30 for this $150 thing. And I was like, oh, boy, refresh, refresh, refresh. And then suddenly when the time comes, Amazon's not loading. And then it loads and sold out. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> well, well I tell you, people are getting it now. Tekken 6 is single player mode. It's horrible. That's what I've heard. Some the one person I know who owns Tekken Six said they liked that single player mode, but I guess you have to kind of like the like Tekken Five single player mode to sort of tolerate that. I don't know. I didn't play the game long enough. I couldn't even remember how Tekken worked when I played it, but it seemed like eh, okay. I bought Tekken 5. I actually own two copies of Tekken 5, and I never really played it. You know why I own two copies? <laughs> because Tekken 5 bombed, and then they were selling that plus the joystick for $15. Right. And so I'm like, hey, I'll take two. than a joystick. <laughs> right. I'll get a joystick out of the deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they throw in Tekken 5 for free. So I was thinking, oh, hell, I'll pay $30 <laughs> and get a joystick, and you get Tekken 6 for free. But it was not to be. Well, at least with Tekken 5, I could go through, like, the standard tournament mode with a character, beat a bunch of people, get the pretty CG cutscene, and go. You can but get no, the pretty and- CG cutscene with that BS last boss that was 300 times harder than the rest of the game, as is customary for all these Tekken, Dead or Alive, Soul Calibur things. Why do they do that? I, I don't know. I think it's, it's showing us that the game creators really do hate us. Yeah. They still wouldn't admit, admit it. I think it uh, goes back to King of Fighters. Uh, but, yeah. That, or they're trying to pair us for the online. Yeah. The online that doesn't work. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that, that too. But yeah, Tekken 6, you actually had to play through their stupid Tekken Force mode to unlock characters that you can then play through the actual game to get the cutscenes. Hey, wait a second. It's not Tekken 5, you mean, right? Because Tekken 6, everybody's unlocked straight out the gate. Only for Versus. If you want to do everyone's story mode, you have to unlock it using the Tekken Force mode, then go into the arena, then play through the actual tournament, then you get your cutscene. That is kind of ridiculous, and now I'm more glad I don't own that game. Like, I, I've been a fan of Tekken since 3. 
I heard Tekken 6 was the closest they'd gotten to the goodness of 3, so I bought it straight up, and I'm like, what am I playing? Why am I Who playing this? Who are these billion characters whom I've never seen before? Well, that I was prepared because I was looking at the strategy guide going, who is the billion characters? Although I, though my favorite backstory is Roger Jr.'s. The kangaroo with the boxing gloves? The kangaroo well, is awesome. Well, yes, because you I see... I think Tekken 3 is still the top because that was the one with Gon, the dinosaur. Yes. Yes. With his never-looping ending video. But Roger Jr.'s story is that him and his mother were searching for his father in Tekken 5. And they find him, but he's a lazy... You know, low about he doesn't do anything. So his mother, who still it was kangaroos, but all of them files for divorce, <laughs> and they enter. They went the, to a uh, kangaroo court. <laughs> and they enter the King of Iron Fist Tournament Six in order to like to win the tournament for financial security. <laughs> Thanks, guys, and and they have the nerve to take the story of Tekken so deathly seriously. Well, that's what makes it. That's what makes it work is that you know they're seriously fighting for financial security and they're kangaroos yeah it's the playing it so straight that makes it funny it is i guess i I, me i'm totally behind i mean november every year november is the month of let's throw out a whole ton of the triple a titles in time for christmas and i have not bought a single thing not even modern warfare 2 which Everybody on the planet is playing right now. I I'm not. am not playing Call of Duty. I don't have Borderlands. I don't have freaking uh, Assassin's Creed 2, which I don't even intend on playing anyway. But, you know, it's just one game after the next after the next are coming out this month, and I don't have any of them. What I'm playing is I just played through Saints Row 2, which I bought for $15. And it was worth every penny. I think I played that for like 50 hours. Thumbs up. It's, uh, you know, better than GTA 4. You heard it for your first. That's a bold claim. And then I am currently playing through Batman Arkham Asylum, finally. That was awesome. Which is a great game. I love it. Two thumbs up. I uh, am surprised at how long it is. I mean, normally, like these games like Uncharted and Uncharted 2 and stuff like that, that's like an eight, ten-hour game. Get it, beat it through in a weekend or so. Not Batman. Batman is like, you know, you get your money's worth out of that. I mean, it's not like interminably long, but it's like I would say twenty hours. Or, I mean, I'm playing it pretty hardcore since the last weekend, and I'm almost done with it. But I'm not sure I remember how long it took, but it was a good fifteen to twenty hours, I think. That sounds about right. Yeah, the game that I've played. Apparently, I didn't realize it. Like, I'm only, like, a third of the way through, whereas Kevin's, like, beaten it once already as in Dragon Age. Yeah, oh, Dragon yeah, Dragon Age. Age. I totally forgot about Dragon Age, and that's another one I usually buy every Bioware game, like the swanky, expensive limited edition. Yes. And this time I didn't buy Dragon Age. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just it's... feeling guilty over the fact that I bought the limited edition Mass Effect, and I still haven't started Mass Effect. <laughs> It's okay. I played through Mass Effect. I'm right before the final battle. Then I installed Windows 7 on machine, and now I won't play Mass Effect anymore. Oops. <laughs> Which Wait, is weird because... It should play everything. It That's... should play everything. I think it's because I bought Mass Effect through Steam, and there's something weird going on there. I don't know why. 
That is odd. I mean, I know a lot of people bought Mass Effect through Steam because it was $10. Yeah, that's when I got mine. Wait, so you just got it and you're already near the end? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I bought it when it was like 20 or 25 Okay. A few months ago. Like Mass Effect's been on sale for a couple of times now. Like, it's one of those games they tend to rotate through. Yeah, yeah I mean, I have the Xbox One, but I'm probably going to play through the PC version just because the PC Bioware games are always better than the console counterparts, yeah. which is how it should always be, damn it. You hear me, Modern Warfare 2? But <laughs> oh, Dra- Dragon Age is no exception. I mean, that's the actually let you move the camera back and install all the mods yeah. and do all the cool things that you do with Bioware games, which you cannot do on the 360 or PS3. And Steam is nice for Dragon Age because you can actually buy their digital deluxe version, which is the equivalent of the collector's edition as far as the in-game content goes. You just don't pay the money for the cloth map. Yeah. Which is also which is sad because cloth map the world is the needs most more. important part. <laughs> well, yes, it's, yeah. the world needs more cloth maps. More physical does. extras. Give me a map, but it's a very fun game overall. Uh, it, it very much is. You could either call it Baldur's Gate or Devil Knights Three, and I'd believe you. It is. It is. It is their fantasy RPG du jour. It is. Non-stop D&D-esque fun. Yes. And lots of lots of blood. Yeah. Ridiculously bloody. Like, oh, let's kill this rat. And they kill the rat, and everyone is just drenched in blood, talking like everything is fine. Yeah, there's a little uh, check mark in the options for persistent gore. I turn that I, I turn that off after a while. Because yeah, I usually you see that option, and you're blood. like, hell yeah, I want persistent gore. And, and then it's just like this bizarre Monty Python-ish scenario. It never goes yes. away. <laughs> I just remember the first I uh, ended up choosing a human noble, which is why you kill the rats in the pantry. Yes, like, that's the one I was thinking start. of. And like, I, so I kill the rats. Next thing I know, I, my character walks out covered in gore. <laughs> and she's like, what happened? And I simply go, they were rats. <laughs> and she says, which is a, but character said it was just a dead face, straight face. I was like, all right, I like you. <laughs> and then, but after about another 10 hours of the constantly covered in gore, just randomly talking to villagers. Covered in blood. Covered in blood all the time. I'm like, okay, I'm turning this off. This is getting kind of crazy. You can see the Mega 64 skit forming as you play. Yes, yes. The real, the real fun was like when you get the golem shale, where when he's covered in blood, because he's a golem, like it covers his eyes and his mouth, <laughs> like all the cracks, and it's just you know I'm like, man, do they have pressure hoses in this world? <laughs> no, I'm gonna get that off. You ask your dog to clean it up like every other mess in the game. <laughs> you definitely need to make sure that if any of you out there who buy this do not buy it used, buy it new. Because otherwise you don't get the shell quest, and shell's the best character in the game. Second best. The best is the dog. That dog is one scary as hell dog. Yes, but acts like the cutest thing ever when he's not killing and ripping through things. He's a sweet little puppy who will kill all your enemies. The fact that I can talk to him at any time 
pet him and watch him roll around the ground is the best thing since a boy in his Bob's hug button. Which that's a game I need to actually play. I need my dog, Ball Crusher. He's the cutest puppy ever. <laughs> Sick balls. Did I just date myself with the 80s reference? <laughs> I feel that it's, well, I'm going to take that as a wonderful transition and to a, and to a series of old that's now new, yet still old, but still amazing. Yes. Which is Shin Massacre Z. my first real experience with Massacre Z. I've seen other older Mecha shows. I've seen a lot of other Gona Guy shows. This is my first chance to actually watch Massacre. Well, do, you know, do you know basically like the general gist of what is this whole thing? Oh yeah, I mean, after watching and I, well, what Wikipedia could tell me. Yeah, sadly, original Massacre is if you can find it at all, it's going to be either be a bad English dub or worse Hong Kong English subtitles. Yeah, I mean, Mazinger Z is pretty much commonly considered like the first of the super robots. I mean, certainly there was Gigantor, Tetsujin 28 prior, but he wasn't really something that was piloted. He was controlled via remote. Mazinger Z was the first piloted Robot, like the hero character, was inside the robot and controlling it. And this was made by Gona Guy in the 1970s, thereabouts, pretty early 70s, and kind of sort of set the standard as far as like defining what the giant robot archetype is. I mean, kind of most of it, as far as the super robot conventions, it goes back to Mazinger Z, and certainly there have been revolutions over the years. There was Gundam, there was Evangelion, and so on and so forth. But all of them are sort of in response to the tropes and conventions that, like, Mazinger Z established. I mean, that's more or less it. It's kind of generally all you need to know. It's a simple kids' show from the 70s where every single episode was Monster of the Week, and they're all basically the the villain who was very uh, unsubtly named Dr. Hell... Yes. Would send a monster to attack. And it would be up to Mazinger Z and its brave pilot, Koji Kabuto, who was an ordinary teenage boy, just like you and me. Except he's not, <laughs> he's not ordinary at all. He's a crazy Gona guy uh, protagonist who would get in his robot and punch the crap out of him. 
and uh, repeat for 96 episodes. <laughs> and then there was yeah. a sequel, Great Mazinger, and then another sequel, uh, Grandizer. And all of these <laughs> followed a winning formula throughout the 1970s. Other random spinoffs like God Mazinger and... <laughs> Yeah, all kinds of stuff. I mean, um, I think Manga. I think a pretty good introduction as far as like the premise. I think it might even be still the only Mazinger-related property that's been released officially in America on DVD. Mazin Kaiser was this OAB uh, series mm-hmm. from the '90s or early 2000s that roughly. That ADV released, and now it's been re-released under Sentai Filmworks. They sell it in a two-pack with Shuten Doji, which is... I this, got that at AWA, actually. Yeah. I picked that up yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it. that is... Within the first five minutes, it tells you everything you need to know about Mazinger Z. It's like, okay, Dr. Hell sends the robots, and Koji fights the robots off, and he's got a girlfriend who's got a girl robot, and you know it's a girl robot because it's got boobies. That yeah, double missiles. Has missiles. <laughs> and then there's the useless sidekick who serves to get the crap beat out of him, Boss Borat. And, and that's what you need to know about Mazinger Z. Uh, just, but people get confused whenever they make these new Gona Guy things. They think, oh, I didn't watch this thing from the 70s. I didn't watch this remake. I'm going to be totally lost. That's not the case for this. This is uh, when we saw Shin Mazinger Z. It actually means true Mazinger. It's the real Mazinger. It is sort of a reboot, as it were. It's not like it expects you to know anything prior. This is the beginning, and it's self-contained in its own thing. It certainly has little Easter eggs, though, if you're familiar with any earlier Gona Guy work or any yeah, other Gona Guy work. Yeah, I think that owes itself to the guy who made it. Uh, this is directed by one of my favorite directors, kind of unknown in America. It's one of all our favorite directors yes, on this actually. podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Yasuhiro Imagawa is his name, and basically there are two words that sum up uh, who this guy is and why you should care, and those words are giant, giant robo. robo. It is the best deal in anime, bar none. It's just been re-released on DVD. It is like $15, $20 for the whole show. If you don't own Giant Robo and you're listening to the awesome cast, or you're listening to AWO, we can't be friends anymore. Because there's no excuse, all right? No excuse. You go and you watch this. This is the greatest OAV direct-to-video thing, period. Ever. I'm sorry, Gunbuster fans. I'm sorry, you know, fans of, you know, I don't know, Gundam 0083, so- Record of Lotus War, Flirty Curry. You know, those are all cool, but Giant Robo is the best one, and I'm going to stick with that. And I, I- and the general approach to Giant Robo was he took the works of a guy named Mitsuteri Yokoyama, creator of Gigantor Test in 28, and a ton of other things, put them all together in one show, and gave everyone superpowers and said, let's see what happens. And he did the same thing here. He said, <laughs> he I'm going to take the works of Gona Guy across a bunch of different things. A couple characters from Mazinger, a couple characters from Violence Jack, some characters from the, the Abashiri family, some Easter egg mentions of, like, Devil Man and Mao Dante and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Put them together in one show, shake it up, give everyone superpowers, let's see what happens. And, and so it, there's not really awesome. a continuity as far as, like, oh, i got to watch 30 years of other things. No, this is it. 
He actually tried to do this with Getter Robo about 10 years ago. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, he made a thing called, uh, it also, much like how this is Shin Mazinger Z, it was called Shin Getter Robo, the true Getter Robo. And uh, they fired his ass after three episodes because he took, took too long for the episodes to come out. And then they replaced him with other people. That, that actually came, turned out okay, but there was, about, there was about four episodes in the middle that just sucked because they just didn't really know what they were doing. Because this guy, Imagawa, he keeps his, keeps his hand close when he's writing a story. No one knows where he's going with it except him. But I guess they learned their lesson. I mean, uh, after he made uh, the remake of Tetsujin 28, I don't know if anyone saw that in released in 2004. I actually own the full set. Yeah, I, I bought that as it was coming out for the full $20, $25 disc or whatever, and then, you know, totally tanked, and now it can be, like, yours. Like, the entire series can be yours for probably about $20, $25 at this point. It's, yeah. it's pretty good. It's not as flat-out, like, hardcore crazy as this one is, though. But I think if you watch Shin Mazinger, you're going to have to watch it with, like, this very open mind (laughs) because if you don't know how Imagawa works, this is how he writes everything. And this should be the way all anime gets written. Block out what you want to have happen first so that you have like your beginning and your middle and your end, and then start working on your show. None of this Evangelion. We're making it up as we go along. We don't know how it's going to end. We're just going to fly by the seat of our pants, like an improvisational punk rock jam session. (laughs) <laughs> that's you know maybe it worked for that show maybe it didn't but it was not the example to follow and Imagawa he does that so the first episode of Shin Mazinger Z is called Finale <laughs> and yes. it's just a bunch of crazy things happening that make no sense and as far as the first episode goes it turns off a lot of people it, it does like we actually shut at my anime club like People had already seen it, like, requested, can we watch episode two? Otherwise, no one's going to watch this show. No one watched the show, though, still. No, after, well, we got, but... like, two or three episodes in. Oh, did they? Which, for a mecha show, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, we don't have a lot of mecha fans at the anime club. Well, or we don't really not have a just... lot of mecha fans in America or even in Japan anymore. It's sort of a – it's not a living genre. And, and by that, I mean when you make a story now – the mecha or the giant robot is not like the default way to tell your action story in 2009. Nowadays, if you make something with robots in it, you're making a statement. You're playing with like old conventions. You're going to try and shake up something. Everything right now is supposed to be like this revisionist thing. I think the closest analogy I can give is the Western. Like if you made a Western in 2009, everyone knows like you're playing around with the past because it's not like oh let's make an action movie our default choice is it's a western (laughs) that doesn't exist anymore back in the day you you couldn't you'd trip over westerns they were everywhere constantly they were and and similarly for anime back in the day robot shows there are tons of them nowadays the 70s and 80s (laughs) nowadays not not the case anymore so when you make a robot show it's generally assumed oh this is old this is a throwback, this is retro, this is trying to appeal to either older fans or some sort of like otaku demographic like that. 
I mean, when unless they, it's Sunrise, which is it's expected to make a mecha show every so often. Is Sunrise mecha show now is more like not really a mecha show so much as a show that happens to have a robots in it. I yeah. think a whole lot of the appeal of those shows now is for the uh, very pretty boy character designs and all that stuff. They can't really have it be straight up robot. Like Code Geass is technically a robot show, technically. But not really if you look at its fans. Well, anyone we actually reviewed Code Geass, we realized after we had done recording, we had forgot to talk about the talk about the mecha at all. Hard. And and so we're like, wow. Whoops. Whoops. You're exactly right. It's it's one of those things where they've got them, but they're so like just ancillary to the actual material what people are actually getting into it for. Whereas that's. Somewhat the case here, but they've sort of tried to take the old Mazinger Z formula and kind of put a spin on it, while at the same time being very faithful to the original manga. Like, the manga for Mazinger Z, I don't expect anyone to have read it, but they've scanlated a couple of chapters of this thing. Turned out a lot different than the anime. The anime was much more tooled for kids, much more let's sell toys. Manga was a little more violent, a little more hardcore, as Gona Guy tends to be. And this is closer to that. But since it's Imagawa and there's all these characters and all these different shows, it, it ends up being uh, its own unique beast. The, the premise here is, once again, Koji Kabuto, high school student, impetuous hero, is entrusted with the most badass robot on the block, Mazinger Z. And Mazinger Z's got a bunch of cool attacks, like you can fire his fists as a rocket and... You know, fire laser beams from his eyes and, you know, shoot hurricane. Heat rays from the chest. Yeah, heat rays from the chest, or hurricane from the mouth. You know, all these cool abilities that it's used to, to fight evil from the forces of Dr. Hell and his generals, which are all really bizarre. Um, there's Baron Ashura, who is half male, half female. And by that, I mean the left half of his body. Right. Down the middle. Right down the middle. <laughs> you know, one half is male, one half is female. And they have two different voices and they talk in sync. And then there's Count yeah. Brocken, who is a German Nazi kind of guy, only he's just a head on a, on a robot body. Robot body. And th- this is the kind of villainy that you have to deal with in, in the shows like this. And I, I course, love going to guy villains. Yeah, like, I mean, it, they were always, like, very, like, this is totally a villain. I mean, Dr. Hell. And who, what a surprise that Dr. Hell turned out to be evil. Who would have thought? <laughs> it's true. It's not like he looks like the most evil, weird being ever. I always thought it was hilarious in the flashbacks. Like, they show Dr. Hell in, like, this ordinary Sparky clothes. Ask. But it's more like, yeah, pith helmet and, you know, I'm <laughs> off on African safari. But his face is still, like, totally, completely evil. As you just sort of walking around talking to people, I'm like, do you not get this? Do you not the think Dr. Hell <laughs> wants to take over the world, maybe? I mean, the, the plot of Mazinger Z, uh, th- what there is, they've actually sort of really beefed up the story parts of this, is... They found an island, Bardos Island, and in this island is remnants of a lost civilization from the past, the, uh, the Mycenaeans, and it turns out they had robots. Of course they did. <laughs> it's true. Because, 
had to f- face the giant space villain, evil alien things. Right. right. The, the planet Earth long, long ago was a battlefield staging ground for an intergalactic war between space aliens. And the space aliens are regarded as our gods nowadays. So in this case, since it was on like the Greek Isles, it was all about like the Greek mythology, like Zeus and Poseidon and Hades and that. And really, they were space aliens that were gigantic. And Really, this is the best take on Greek mythology ever. And I'm Greek, so I can say that. Okay, I was going to say better than God of War, Basil. And then, you know, I realized that God of War games stopped being good after stage one. Whereas this, you know, is good throughout. Yes. And so the idea is that these leftover mechanical beasts as part of this lost civilization end up coming under the control of Dr. Hell. And he's going to use them to take over the world with his unstoppable army. But in his way is the mightiest robot in the world, Mazinger Z, made out of the special alloy that, you know, Chogokin Zet, as it's called, the super uh, alloy Z, which basically means it's the baddest dude on the block. You can't hurt it. But Koji, made from Japanium. Japanium. That's right, because they find the secret ore that is only under Mount Fuji. <laughs> Of course it is. Hey, well, Where else are you going to find it? I mean, really? Well, when, when Japan makes a show that Japan gets to save the world, like in Godzilla movies, it's always Japan saving the world. When Hollywood makes a movie, Americans save the world. It's just the nature of it. Turkish Star Wars, the Turkish save the day. I don't know. <laughs> the Turkish version of Star Wars. What are we getting into on this podcast? But Only awesome things. Yeah, um, I, mean, I yeah. think one of the things that really make Mazinger Z stand out is normally, in the old Mazinger Z, it was monster fight every week. And this one, believe it or not, there's not a whole lot of robot fighting from episode to episode. There's a lot of episodes that go by where there's not really any robot fight. There's plenty of action. Yeah, there's action because the thing about Imagawa that people mistakenly think is because it's called Giant Robo or Mazinger Z. It's got a robot in the name, robot on the cover. Oh, it must be about robots fighting. But no, it's more about people with superpowers fighting superpowered fights. Because some of the characters, like, say, the Violence Jack characters, are very important in this new show, and they've all got, like, badass superpower abilities. Uh, the main one is a woman named Nishikiori Subasa, or Subasa Nishikiori. Minor character in Violence Jack. Obviously, you know, you're a woman in Violence Jack. You're probably not long for this world. Um, And there's a guy called Cross and another guy called Django, who's a Mexican cowboy. Not at all like Django from the movies. I mean, he doesn't carry a coffin around, but he is a crazy gun-wielding lunatic. And another guy who is actually from a totally different anime, Yasu. He's a sort of Lupin the Third-ish looking kind of guy who is in this anime a bomb like wielding pyro and and these guys all have like crazy superpowers there's an old lady uh named uh, kiku who's runs at super, super speed fast. and has monofilament wires so if you like helsing ultimate and walter and who doesn't like walter you know with like crazy Wal- monofilament wires and super speed she's the old lady version of walter only her monofilament is monofilament z Yes, all, yeah. all their weapons are made out of the special Japanium ore, or, you know, the Chogokin Z, which means it's unbreakable thread. 
I think the super alloy Z shovels were push, pushing it just a little, but <laughs> well, I still loved yes, it's like Z bombs. Yeah, like how does that even work? You it's it's this unbreakable bomb. When you try to blow it up, it doesn't explode. Now I guess they just said, oh, when this blows up, it'll be like the biggest explosion ever. And that's the kind of thing. I mean, also, if you, if you watch Giant Robo, that was sort of a motif there. Spoilers. You know, the, the notion of the power that if you use it, it's such a badass power that you'll die if you use it. Well, it's going to be badass. Yeah, but it'll be an awesome death, guys. Trust me. That's the kind uh, of yeah, show this is. I mean, right. Yes. Like Tsubasa and her friends, they, they, there are points where they are totally overshadowing our nominal main character yeah i mean koji is is relegated to like second banana his girlfriend sayaka is almost not even in the show at all uh boss borat barely there i mean he doesn't even really show up that much until the end it's kind of like imagawa is like i want to focus on these characters and the characters i want to focus on are subasa and baron ashura and this is Most kind awesome of Baron Ashura ever. Oh yeah, I mean the sec- like from the third episode where you see Baron Ashura, who is human sized, move at super speed and punch Mazinger Z and knock Mazinger Z down. Yes, I'm like yes, they made Baron Ashura a badass. But I wasn't even that doesn't even stretch the surface of how badass they made Baron Ashura in this one. I mean, it's it- true. Up to, up to the end. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know. don't really know. Yeah. It's, it, suffice to say that this can't be the end of Shin Mazinger Z. They've got to make at least a, a movie or a TV special or something like uh, Shin Mazinger Z versus uh, Black General or Great General or Darkness, whatever they want to call it. And, and then maybe even a Shin Great Mazinger Z because – this is this continuing story, and even though the first episode is called the finale, there's still more to go in this story that I want to see. Yeah, well, the Great Mazinger was like a direct sequel to Mazinger Z, so maybe we'll get a a great chapter. Well, next. we did get a Mazin Kaiser versus Black General. It just never came out in America. Yeah, I've, that was a fairly good movie, though. That uh, was a cool movie. I mean, Mazen Kaiser, I think, is the most accessible like introduction. I mean, this is sort of like a for-fans-only kind of anime. And in America, there's not a whole lot of these uh, going-to-guy fans, to be honest. Uh, we didn't really grow up with it. I mean, in the 80s, some places got Transor Z. But we just, you know, in the 70s, you know, going-to-guy stuff was just, oh, that's too violent to show to kids. Yeah. And that was a story for every going-to-guy thing. But the rest of the world, France, Italy... Spain, you know, they love going to guy. I mean, freaking Spain, they got a Mazinger Z statue for a housing complex. Yes. yes. It's their mascot. That's awesome. It's like they know. There. They know what's going on with going to guy everywhere they else. They do. Just not here. I mean, um, that's kind of a sad thing. I mean, it's a hard thing to sell people on this show. You kind of know that you're going to watch it before you watch it. Because the name Mazinger Z in the in the title there, and it's really sad because you know going to guy so he's very prolific and he is very groundbreaking. I mean, I know everyone refers to Tezuka as the god of manga or the father of manga, but going to guy is sort of the the creepy uncle that that touches you in inappropriate places, but you realize once he's done, you're better off for it. 
There's something about your past we should know, Basil. <laughs> you have a tragic secret, like most of the characters in uh, Imagawa works. Yeah. Possibly. Maybe that's why I relate so much to this. Anyways. Uh, you know, even with Imagawa, even like, gee, Gundam, for a Gundam show, it focuses way more on the human characters. And that really is a very Imagawa thing. Yeah, I mean, he definitely thinks robots are cool. But he also definitely thinks people are even cooler than robots. And I can get behind that. I mean, this is ultimately not really a robot rock'em sock'em affair, though there certainly is that. This and when is... it happens, it's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some righteous ass-kicking happens in this cartoon. But a lot of it is just, like, the straight-up, like, figuring out, like, what happened in the flashback scenes. Because that's this other very common Imagawa motif is to refer back to an event and everybody in the show or knows about the event in differing ways, but we, the viewer do not. And as you go, you see a little more of the event. And then by the end, you find out like, Oh, this is what they were talking about in that. And then sometimes even, there's a twist on top of that. Like you think even you lead know. you down one direction thinking something happened until they really reveal what happened. And this actually takes it to another level further, where they actually, have, they actually have the characters go back into the past to relive it, but even they didn't really live it quite right, and then certain characters relive more than others. Yeah, there was, there was a plot point in here where they were able to sort of see the past or be in the past, and uh, you got some great moments of Mazinger Z fighting alongside Zeus against yes. the evil Greek gods and finding out, like, where did Rocket Punch come from? <laughs> oh, Rocket Punch, that seems like a neat idea. I mean, you got to love that they, they even, like, as over the top as Mazinger Z was, as many attacks as they had, I mean, they threw in another giant robo thing, the Big Bang Punch. And in this Mazinger yeah. Z, Mazinger transforms into a gigantic fist. fist. <laughs> like, the whole thing is a fist, and it punches someone. I mean, it's not just enough to send out the rocket punch. Now the whole thing is a fist punching that you. That shines gleaming gold like the hand of Zeus himself. <laughs> Who, who, what kind of scientist makes these robots? <laughs> in, the world of, in the world of Gonagai, yeah, in the world of Gonagai, it's always a crazy lunatic scientist is, you know, the villain, and a slightly less crazy scientist is the hero. I mean, no sane man would build these robots. Yeah, a side. lunatic has, it's like you think of, it's like, who would build this? Who thought this was a good idea? And it's always a crazy lunatic scientist. And thank God he's on our side. And I mean, in, um, in other Mazinger Z editions, you never really got to see much of Koji Kabuto's parents or grandparents or anything like that. They were just like, up, oh, they were dead, or they entrusted him with this. And maybe you see a little bit of them in the flashback. In this you get to see a good bit of Koji Kabuto's grandfather, Juzo Kabuto, who built Mazinger Z. And he's a crazy guy. Yes. Who loves his hot springs. You know, he actually was in an episode of the new Cutie Honey OAV series also, which they also had an episode with a Devil Man cameo. But he acted pretty much the same as he does in the this Shin Mazinger Z. Yeah, I mean, the man knows what he likes. The crazy old man. I mean, there's a shot in the first opening of the fist 
like flying at the camera while the old man sort of rides that baby Slim Pickens, Dr. Strangelove style. And he's just completely <laughs> fearless. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to mess him up. He's not really that concerned of what's going to happen when the fist actually collides with something. <laughs> He'll work it out. He'll work it out. But I remember the first time they're actually watching the uh, second episode. And that's the start of the story. And people are like, is that the villain? Why is he playing with the main character? I don't get... Oh. Oh. This is crazy, Grandpa. I think Does more, gotta, I think more anime would start. benefit from having the, the crazy scientist who makes crazy things that are used for good instead of evil. But could just as easily have been used for evil. Yeah. Oh, that's that's even mentioned that play when Masker's Bay is like, what are you gonna do? Gonna be a god? Are you gonna be a demon? I don't know. But let's find out. Let's give you a super robot, kid. We'll see what you do. Well yeah, I mean that's the whole point, is that Mazinger itself is not inherently good or inherently evil. Whether it's good or evil depends on the person using it. And so with that much power entrusted to a regular person, the idea is, okay, you're going to use this to save the world or take it over or destroy it or what? And that's sort of like this internal conflict that was never that much of an issue in the original show because it's just like, I'm good, Dr. Hell, bad. And this one is more (laughs) like, hmm, I could do some damage with this thing. Well, it's also like he actually sees... Like in the first couple of episodes, you know, baseball, you know, people can die, and you know, in his realization that, oh God, what am I doing? As you know, it was like, oh wow, I wasn't expecting to see that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't expect it to be as violent as it as it got and as it was. This is a pretty brutal show. I mean, as far as collateral damage, as far as people getting the crap beat out of them, uh, as far as people getting <laughs> cut up and murdered in all kinds of hilarious and innovative ways. It's not as super-duper gore-fest like the new Getter Robo was. Those were direct-to-video OAVs, and so those were just, like, super ultra-violent. Made me really happy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we actually just recently covered Black Lion. Black Lion. Oh, yeah, I listened, that- I listened to that one. That was good okay. stuff. Black Lion, man. And that, Which the fact is, that that's one of the first things Gona Guy wrote. That's your, your debut. You start with Black Lion. And then it's just, how do you top yourself? That's like, I could never make anything even a fifth as good as Black Lion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Black Lion is special. But yeah, I mean, Shin Mazinger Z, in a lot of ways, it is got a lot of callbacks to previous Gona Guy things, mentions of uh, characters from other shows, references to previous things. There's some cases, like, for example, they're, they, they're looking through the weapons cache, and they want to see weapons, and they start pulling out all these trademark weapons of other Gona Guy characters, like the giant jackknife of violence jack, only this time it's the super LYZ version. Yeah, and they make a joke yeah. about it, and that's the kind of like these little Easter eggs, like you were talking about throughout. That you don't, if you don't get it, it's not like you're lost because it's just like this little one-off joke. But if you get it, you're like, ah, oh, cool, that's from that. And that's the kind of thing that this is the audience for it. I mean, it's hard to say like, okay, you're a new anime fan in 2009. Here's Mazinger Z. 
you can watch this show. It's meant to work if you've never seen Gona Guy anything in your life, and this is the first thing ever. But to actually park someone down and say, hey, watch this after that first episode, which is crazy, and that second episode, which is still kind of crazy, <laughs> and then it actually sort of settles down by episode three, most people are like, you got ten minutes to impress me, and then I'm moving on to the next thing. So if you're listening this to this episode, if you saw the title of this awesome cast, Shin Mazinger Z, and you clicked on it, chances are you're already a believer. <laughs> so before we go into crazy spoil territories, I will point out that the whole thing has been fan-subbed. Yep, it was uh, fan-subbed by a pretty cool group known as uh, Gatai, which uh, they do good work. I mean, they did good work on Macross Frontier and all that. They're actually um, the Something Awful forums fan subgroup uh sort of affiliated with that i mean uh the mod fort zorak is a super uh dedicated smart anime fan doesn't like me very much but i uh, still respect him a lot and uh they did they did good work on this fan sub they actually did something interesting like the first several episodes there was the tv broadcast and then afterwards they'd put it up on like the streaming in japan like the Bandai channel, animation. yeah, they would include little bonus animations. So what they did for the fan sub was they took the TV broadcast episode and intercut in the bonus animation such that when you're watching it, there's like this very noticeable quality jump like between it's like, oh, why does it suddenly look like this kind of crappy, you know, 320 by 240 <laughs> looking YouTube video. YouTube video. And it's like, oh, it's because this is only on the web. And you know what? I got to wonder, the people in Japan watching it without that bonus stuff, were they just totally it. lost? Because they didn't cut out, like, trivial things. They cut out entire scenes explaining, like, story and plot. And I was like, you kind of need to see that to know what's going on. You, you do. I, I was going through the exact same thing, and and I feel... Well, Kevin, you watched the Shinsen subs, right? I wa- I usually ended up checking out both. Okay. I Gatai actually usually came out first because Shinsen's really slow. But yeah, and the Shinsen one. Yeah, the Shinsen one. They didn't do that. They just took the TV broadcast only. Yeah, they just hit it straight as it was. Eventually, after like twelve or thirteen episodes, they said, "Okay, enough of the Bandai Channel only things. We'll put everything in the episode." Yeah. I really love to see a DVD release, but I don't have, you know, just due to the subject matter, I think it's only slightly more likely that we will get this rather than, say, Macross Frontier. Yeah, I mean, uh, due to all the rights and craziness like that, I don't know if we're ever going to get this. Honestly, um, ADV tried with Gona Guy stuff in the past. I mean, we did get all of Shin Robo, and then we did get all of, Ma- well, we didn't get all of Mazen Kaiser, but we got the OAVs for Mazen Kaiser. We, uh, then we just didn't get a lot of Gona Guy stuff after that. Uh, Genion tried with New Robo, and all these shows are awesome and great, and you should go watch them, and they're super cheap now, but they all tanked in America, because everyone just looked at it, saw that robot on the cover, and said, nope, not for me, especially not this old-looking artwork. Because this does use very faithful to the 70s kind of robot designs, 
character designs. It's not the 2000 sort of anime aesthetic, as it were, if there is such a thing. You can sort of look at this and say that's old character artwork. But it's not yeah, old like, animation. No. Uh, a friend of ours, actually, he is, we, I try to get him to watch some things, and things, it looks old. Yeah. It, and it, it, it just came out. It looks old. It, it, it does because, you know, even if you animate them with the new animation techniques and digital, you know, production methods, you're still using what is supposed to be, like, maybe it's an updated, slightly updated version of it, but it's still like this very 70s looking art. Koji's got the sideburns and the hair, and his uniform is very like a guy in the 70s drawing what yeah. he thinks the future is. That's the best part. <laughs> And then the robots yeah, have, like, the, the stovepipe arms and legs and big giant rivets. And, you know, this is – sends the message. Great. It's part of what makes it cool, and it's what people want to see. But for people who grew up on Gundam Wing and Evangelion and all these sort of things, to go back afterwards, it's like, oh, that looks old. That is retro. That isn't cool-looking. I think it's cool looking. I think that's part of why I consider it a bad thing to show people who are new to anime things like Evangelion, which are meant as a response to works from the 70s. I think you should watch this stuff first and then watch that stuff, but nobody does that. Entire generations have come up with that didn't do that, and damage is done. What can you say? It's like watching yes. Gundam Wing without watching Gundam first. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and so many people have now. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was you know, Gundam Wing was a lot of people's introduction to not just Gundam but anime. I mean, that was the it first was. thing they watched. And then you say, go back and watch Gundam, and they're like, ah, this thing is old. But you know, without this, you know, Gundam Wing sort of a response to that, sort of a remake of it. But good luck explaining that to people. They're not gonna. They're not gonna buy it. Unless you're cool and listening to this podcast. Yeah. yeah that's true. Oh, no, I was just thinking that um, I actually, when I was trying to tell some friends about, you know, Gundam 00, they're like, that just looks like Wing. But you watched Wing, so why won't you watch this? I already watched Wing. What? Well, you know, they, they sort of. But better. <laughs> they sort of have a point. I mean, ever since Wing, they sort of realized, okay. If we draw the characters and have a lot of pretty boys and get them to be drawn by, you know, artists who are kind of known for drawing girly sort of things, then girls will watch. And, you know, if we get the robots in, maybe guys will watch. And so a lot of people look at that and say, ah, oh, that's Gundam Wing-like, because it does take the same approach as Gundam Wing. And the Zinger Z does not take that approach. So no. the, a lot of the girls who are watching Gundam Wing and Double O and Code Geass and stuff... They're not going to want to watch Shin Mazinger Z because back in the 70s, robot shows were kind of like, this is for boys, this is for guys. And there's nothing deliberately put in there to sort of hook girls to say like, hey, ladies, this is for you. That ain't how going to guy rolls. <laughs> going to guys like, eh, I want to put what I want to see in a cartoon. And Imagawa and is sort of, the, you know, cut from that same, you know, branch. Admittedly, you, know, you do see, you know, naked guys running around. Unfortunately, it's the grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really the fan service for the ladies. It's more like, here's a crazy joke. 
Yeah, it's not yeah, like... I mean, the whole, it, it, it takes place in a bathhouse, certainly, and so there's a lot of, you know, guys, but none of them are, like, particularly pretty boy kind of guys. They're no, all, I guess like, Koji is probably the best-looking one, but... Yeah, to think, you know, you're in a show where Koji's supposed to be the handsome, dashing one, you're not going to get a lot of lady fans of this. That's just the reality of it. But if there are any out there and you're listening to this, you're awesome. Yeah, you are awesome. Let's be friends. Yes. yes. And if you've already seen the show, awesome, because we're now about to spoil everything after this musical interlude. But before the musical interlude, we're going to play a promo for another podcast entirely. Are you tired of anime podcasts that are actually about anime? Are you fed up with podcast hosts that actually know what they're doing? Are you tired of dad? Hi, I'm Vic Viper, the pride of Gradius and the last hope for mankind, and I have just the podcast for you. It's This Is Not An Anime Podcast. Every week, my good friends Letty Whiterock, Nana L, and I discuss anime, games, and anything else that has our interest at the time. New episodes every Friday... Check us out at thisisnotananimepodcast.blogspot.com. Schrodinger would be proud. Holy crap! <laughs> yes. Did you see that freaking chopper explode? That There's actually awful. not a whole lot of choppers exploding yeah. in this, but I guess that's your... Lots of things exploding. <laughs> lots and lots of other things explode, all right. I mean, um, I guess if we want to just spoil pretty much... Everything, everything at this point certainly uh there's this ongoing mystery as to what is going on in shin mazinger z the characters are all trying to find out and as it turns out there's twists within twists within twists but there are other villains besides dr hell who are sort of scheming and they are the uh the mycenaeans themselves led by the evil duke gorgon who is this sort of half tiger half guy kind of uh Reminiscent a torso growing out of a tiger's back. Yeah, you, you reminded me of the character Guitar from the Violinist of Hamelin, which Imagawa also wrote, but he did not. Uh, he didn't direct it. It's a similar sort of character. He was like this, uh, you know, dog kind of creature who was also like this pretty scheming badass sort of guy, even though he didn't seem like it at first. But yeah, the, this guy in conjunction with. Uh, Baron Ashura, before he became Baron Ashura, was like, okay, uh, the Mycenaeans are going to come back and take over using our army of mechanical beasts that we can secretly gain control over uh, using some nefarious tactics. And so it, it sort of revealed at the very end that everything Dr. Hell's been trying to do is sort of in the service of Duke Gorgon, who 
is going to come in and take over and take all this stuff back with the help of his like nine or seven even evil generals that you don't really see much of in this show, unfortunately, because those are the villains of Great Mazinger. But it sort of ends up being that Baron Ashura thinks that Dr. Hell betrayed him because we see a flashback of like how he became, how he became, and it turns out like Dr. Hell's an asshole. Who'd have guessed? Yes. <laughs> Who would have thought? He decided to make the most uncomfortable human being in existence. Yeah. So he, he found the preserved corpses of Baron Ashura, which was Tristan and Isolde. Yes. <laughs> which, you know, that was, the male half was Tristan, the female half was Isolde, and said, you know what, I'm going to sew them together and put them under my control. And once Baron Ashura found out about that, Baron Ashura got pissed off. <laughs> well, I mean, he was like, all right, sorry I had to merge into one being. But you see, you were rotting on each side, but the other half was perfectly preserved, so I could just create one being. So really, I did y'all a favor. Yeah, so now you're in my service. And then in the flashback, it turns out, here's Dr. Hell with the horrible corrosive acid pouring <laughs> yes. it on them to sew them together, and then killing all the other remaining Mycenaeans, supposedly. And thus making Baron Ashura the last of his kind, thanks to Dr. Hell. So Baron Ashura is not feeling that, so he sort of switches sides to the sides of good. Or does he? It turns <laughs> out that Baron Ashura is sort of the revolver ocelot of yes, this show. chronic backstabbing disorder. Well, it's not chronic backstabbing disorder. Revolver Ocelot always had one loyalty in those Metal Gear Solid games. That was to the Patriots. Baron Ashura always had one loyalty, and that was to the ancient race Lally of the Mycenaeans. Yes, <laughs> sort of the Lolly Lule Low. And so Baron Ashura ends up um, seeking to bring about the undoing of Dr. Hell, because one of the things that Dr. Hell programmed into Ashura when he created him was, you're not allowed to kill yourself as long as I'm alive. And so Baron Ashura's like, okay, fine. I'm going to see to it that you get killed. And he gets killed in the most awesome way possible. And I don't know if Dr. Hell's necessarily dead, because in that first episode, we see Dr. Hell's still alive, even though he's ripped in half. Crawling about going, <laughs> Still quite proud of himself. But um, it turns out that they send a whole Mazinger core and full army of robots after Dr. Hell to take out his floating fortress on top of the photon power labs, which has a whole second lab underneath it. Like they blow up yes. the lab and they think everybody's dead, but then it turns out we've got the battle fortress that, you know, three scientists built in their spare time. There's <laughs> tons and tons of photon beams everywhere. Yes. And, and of course, you know, the, the five characters um, from Violence Jack, whom we thought were killed, suddenly just spring back up. It's like, no, no, we're okay. We're just fine. And have, like, the huge all-out battle brawl. And Koji says, you know what? I'm going to take all these other robots that you think were killed, but they were not because they've all got rocket punches built into them. And he fires just, you know, a million fists at this guy to take him out. And then they all sort of combine together. One gigantic rocket punch. Yes, this, the Big Bang Punch of Big Bang Punches. But Koji inadvertently unleashed the beast because by taking out Dr. Hell, now you've removed the limiter on Baron Ashura. So now Baron Ashura is free to do what they always wanted to do 
which was kill themselves. But <laughs> it's because it's it's to complete sort of a resurrection, uh, a summoning spell, as it were. Because by killing all those other Mycenaeans, it sort of let like blood magic work. Like, oh, it needed sacrifices. It's all part of the plan, don't you know? And Baron Ostra, by killing itself at the very end, opens like the portal to let the great black general come and all his evil minions to be continued the end. It's like, what a cliffhanger for the show. I mean, but that's how the manga went. I mean, you know, they resurrected the black general and the black general hands Koji Kabuto his ass which we see a little yeah. bit of a flash of in the beginning of episode two. It straight up says, Koji Kabuto will lose and be defeated. But we'll come back. You know, that's in, implicit in it. But first. But that's, we, but we, know, don't, we like, got to see it first. I mean, we haven't seen yeah. it yet. I mean, um, it turns out that Nishikori Tsubasa in this is Koji Kabuto's mother, whom we never saw before. Um, Koji Kabuto's father, Kenzo Kabuto, is also mysteriously quasi alive and working sort of on the side of evil sort of on his own side who knows uh it's the nature There's a lot of, of people who work on their own sides in this show yeah. yes a lot of people are run, running their own agenda and it sometimes coincides with the good or bad agenda just thank god sabasa is more or less on our side yes she was awesome though. i do not want to cross her no she was a I would say Tsubasa was more of a badass than Koji Kabuto was. Why? In many ways, yes. I mean, this was more or less the Tsubasa's a badass, Baron Asher's a badass. Oh, by the way, yeah, there's some guy named Koji Kabuto with some robot named Zinger. He might die in lava one day. Yeah, he might well, die uh, in magma. I'm hoping that maybe when we get, hopefully when we get the sequel series, Koji can actually sort of grow into his own. Because a lot of the show was just him learning how to actually control the freaking robot. And maybe he won't get sidelined by Tetsuya piloting Great Massacre. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Tetsuya is dead, but, you know, how long does that stick? Uh, everyone who we've been told is dead in a flashback is still kicking it. Because, indeed, at the very end of the show, out of nowhere, the mysterious figure known only as Blade shows up, who looks like Tetsuya in a mask. And, hey, how about that? Tetsuya's last name is Surugi. Surugi means blade. Connect the dots, la 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 la, as Pee Wee Herman would say. I wonder if that's meaningful. But you know, Giant Robo also sort of ended on a, okay, well, that happened, but look what's in the future. Giant Robo, we tell you the middle of the story. And that was an awesome middle. (laughs) It's like if the only Star Wars we ever got was The Empire Strikes Back. It'd be awesome, but we'd be going, so now what? Right. Well, we aren't quite sure fully what happened before, and we know something's about to happen later, but it hasn't been made yet. And is it going to be made? I don't know. I think it is going to get made. I think this show was popular enough among that crowd of people in Japan that they'll make at least something. But they haven't announced anything yet. They haven't started work on anything yet. This might be it. I, I, I make no guarantees. Oh, I hope there's a sequel. I really want a sequel. <laughs> I, they really got to do a sequel to this. I mean, it's not like if there's no sequel, we wasted our time. It's not like the ultimate cliffhanger of cliffhangers. It's not like Big O season one cliffhanger. <laughs> but it's and still hopefully a, we won't get Big O season two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it's 
what happens is resolved, and because the first episode is sort of a finale, you can sort of give yourself an ending. At the same time, there's all this holy shit stuff just looming on the horizon that we want to see that happen. But like Giant Robo, we didn't see the holy shit stuff. Well, we saw some holy shit stuff, but we didn't see the ultimate be-all, end-all of the holy shit stuff in Giant Robo. And um, I'm hoping we see it from Mazinger. But who knows? We can only hope. (laughs) So what were some of your favorite uh, parts of this new Mazinger Z? Oh, so hard. Whenever Tsubasa pulled out her knife... (laughs) Like, even when she was about to die, she looked so totally badass and was so ready to cut a bitch. Like, (laughs) I was like, damn. She pulls that knife out like R. Kelly pulls out his gun when he's trapped in the closet. (laughs) That's her response to things. I think one of my favorite moments was one of the characters they added just for this guy. We haven't talked about at all. One of the villains, Viscount Pigman. Um, Baron, I mean, Dr. Hell has various uh, underlings, one of which is Baron Ashra, one of whom is Count Brocken. Who are the, this other guy, Viscount Pigman, originally was from Violence Jack. His character design, he basically looks like a human version of Mazinger Z, only black. In Violence yes. Jack, that's what he was. He was the physical human iteration of Mazinger Z. His name was Jim Mazinger. But in this one, the Viscount Pigman is basically... Shockwave Alberto from Giant Robo, as far as like his badass powers, like everyone else controls an army. This guy is his own army. Army. He's got all these weird supernatural powers and control over nature and such. And he just sort of rips everybody up by himself. I mean, there's a whole lengthy arc that's just pigments attacking, but he gets taken out at the end. He has to die because. Deep down, he's some weird samurai-looking dude with a top knot, and uh, he gets cut in half with Blade. But we knew that. That's not really a spoiler. You see it happen in the first episode. You do. Imagawa's all about the how you get there, not the what happens. He'll give you the, this happens, straight up. But how'd that come to pass? You gotta watch the show to find that out. He is really, really good at reimaginings. Oh, yeah. I mean, he did it... Like. For Giant Robo, he did it for Getter Robo. You know, he got cut short on Getter Robo. He did it here, and I think he does pretty stellar work. I just, I really wish other people would sort of follow his example of, like... I also would put forth uh, G Gundam as the only really original, original Gundam universe. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if it weren't for... I mean, it gets panned and slagged everywhere you go, but I love me some G Gundam. And if it weren't the first alternate universe right out the gate... Like, let's say Gundam X was the first alternate universe, or even Gundam Wing. I don't know if people would have really caught on to it quite as much. Because G Gundam putting in the alternate universe is saying, okay, this is Gundam, but you don't have to watch your decades worth of Gundam to watch it. You can just watch this and be good. Nowadays, people sort of know when the new Gundam comes out, you don't have to watch 30 years of Gundam. This is its own thing. And people haven't really gotten that vibe from the Gonagai stuff. Admittedly, because a lot of it is just more or less the next episode of that show you were watching 30 years ago. It wasn't really a continuity-heavy thing. Like, Get a Robo? Any Get a Robo. You can just watch that and be good, because they don't really 
fully tie into each other. Even though Imagawa's was like, it just starts off and it's like, assumes that you know. Well, that was like, it started as like a sequel to a radio drama. That, yeah. Like we'll never ever hear or have translated. <laughs> but, you know, it ultimately doesn't really matter. These things are standalone. And so I think the only real way you can sell people on these things in 2009 is you find the people who liked Garen Lagan. There's a few of them out there. That was a popular yeah. show. It was popular. And then you say, hey, did you like that? Then you will probably like this because this is sort of what Garen Lagan was inspired by. And you show them like Mazen Kaiser or you show them like New Getter Robo or something like that. And that's how they'll get into it. I don't think you can just sort of just take people blind and throw them into Shin Mazinger, even though it's meant to be. I just think. No, I think you need, you need something newer. You need something slicker. And I think Goran Logan's like the best example of the of a newer, slicker, pseudo manly man anime. I think uh, so too. I, th- I just guy. think the problem is like a lot of the fans of Goran Lagan, they lack the context. They think like it's unique, it's one of a kind. No other show has ever done this before. And it's like, dude, I'll show you like fifty other shows that you know embody this crazy badass robot pilot spirit. But, you know, someone has to point it out to them because they're not going to find it on their own. Most of them involve going to guy in some way. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Garen Lagan is a response to the going to guy kind of stuff. It's a response to these shows that people grew up with in the 70s. A lot of it is made for that audience. Like, you grew up watching these cartoons, and now you're something. You know what else was like that? Yeah, Evangelion. I was going to say, Ava did the same thing. Yeah, that was presumably meant for people who grew up watching these giant robot shows of the 70s and now want to see something with a twist on it. And most American fans who watch that show and get crazy over it sort of aren't fully aware of it. Like, maybe they heard someone say it once, but they're just really caught up with that one show. And... I don't want the Garen Lagan fans to turn into that, where they're just, like, really fixated on just Garen Lagan and everything else is chopped liver, because these were cartoons that were made for a fan base that grew up on the notion of robots punching the crap out of evil monsters or other robots and saving the friggin' day and being a hard-ass dude. And... That's a lot of that is gone nowadays in 2009, such that when you make a show like that, when you make something with robots, it seems new. (laughs) It either seems new or it says to everyone, hey, I'm playing around with these old conventions. Just like I said at the beginning, like with the Western, if you make a Western now, you tell everyone, hey, I'm playing around with this old art style or this old movement or genre. And I think that's kind of what Garen Lagan was. It was like, hey, look at me. I can sort of embody the tropes of this dead genre and still make something cool and people can like it. And in that case, it succeeded. But Also made by Gynax. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how they work. I mean, every once in a while, they accidentally make a good show. 
Duran Lagan was one of them. He accidentally made a couple good shows. Well, there's also a lot of stuff like, was it Maho Chromatic? Maho Romatic, and he is my master, and... You know, the last couple episodes of Abinabashi where they're like, let's try and make this a real story. And, you know, there's a lot of crap that Gainax puts out. And frankly, most of it now is, is terrible. The old Gainax is no more. Those guys are gone. They've moved on to other pastures. Uh, even uh, Anno isn't really with Gainax anymore. He sort of started his own studio to make those new Ava movies. Yeah. Which I am conflicted on as far as them being good or not i don't let me put it this way i don't think those are movies that you can show people to say hey you never saw this before watch these i think those movies only make sense if you've already watched ava before and can fill in the blanks i don't Uh, think that this new mazinger z series is like that no I think it is what those Ava movies should have been. Like a, hey, you didn't watch this thing from the past that was cool? Here, just watch this one. And then if you like it, then you can go back and watch the other one. That's how this well, show works for me. Well, since I said this is my first real Mazinger, I can totally say that, in fact, is how it worked. Yeah, now you probably are interested in Mazinger in general and wouldn't mind going back and watching some of the other stuff. Yeah. That's actually why I went back and went and bought Maz and Kaiser. Which I actually personally think is better than Shin Mazinger Z for introducing people, only because it's shorter. It's only about six or seven episodes, plus like a movie that you could get that's sort of a standalone thing. And shorter yeah. is better, if you ask me. I mean, a good introduction to Getter Robo. I mean, the new Getter Robo, 13 episodes, that's pretty good. But Shin Getter Robo versus Neo Getter Robo, Four episodes. <laughs> oh, that is, yeah, that's got some of the slapstick elements to it, but uh, well, yeah, that's good. If if your anime club can't deal with Shin Getter versus Neo Getter, then disband your anime club because they're all dead to me. Because it's a four episodes, you can't watch four episodes. It's awesome, though, for its wackiness. Oh, come on. Texas Mac, greatest anime Oh, yes, character. he is. Texas Mac is well, the it's greatest. Actually, the robot ever. is Texas Mac. You know, the character is Jack King. And yeah, his sister, Mary King. But the robot itself? Texas Mac. Texas Mac, bitches. So, okay. How many awesomes out of awesome should Mazinger, Kevin, go? Uh, oh, I get to go first. I can call a million rocket punches of awesome. <laughs> Crap. That was what I was going to use. <laughs> I'll give this one awesome Z alloy of awesome. Made it to whatever you want. In this case, an awesome anime show. I'm going to give it two halves of Baron Ashura awesomes. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> yes. Because when you walk in a room of Ava fans, everyone suddenly gets kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, Baron Ashura, you are the most awesome whatever you are ever. <laughs> they spied on him in the shower. In this and in Mazen Kaiser. They do. It's they one do of the seven times. wonders of the world. It's a mystery. <laughs> yeah, we don't actually see anything, thankfully. But maybe that's what Dojinchi is for. Who knows? <laughs> Not any Dojinchi I would want to see, but, you know, whatever. You know someone's drawing it or has drawn it. It's out there. But it is up to you, dear listeners, to find it. 
and not send it to us. Yes, do not send it to us. Well, thank you once again, Daryl, for coming on by. Yeah, no internet. problem. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I was unable to be extremely exciting, but, you know, hey, I'll, I'm always up for talking about Shin Mazinger Z. I mean, uh, if you have a podcast where you want to talk about it, <laughs> give me a call. I'll try and make it quasi-entertaining. I don't know how I did on that. Good luck on the server hosting issues. Yeah, always always rough. Yeah, AnimeWorldOrder.com is the website for the uh, podcast that comes out every once in a while. We'll try and have a new episode out soon. But yeah, um, if you can if you can give a buck or something like that, you know, we just uh, I don't have five hundred dollars to uh, you know facilitate that full move over to Libsyn. So, uh, you know, that's $60 a month for about four or five months, and then we're there. And then I can probably pay the 10 or $12 a month out of pocket. But 500 no, I cannot pay that. So uh, <laughs> help me out here, guys, if you like my show, if you thought this was somewhat educational. Um, read Otaku USA Magazine. Go to the website, www.otakuusamagazine.com. It's got a bunch of exclusive stuff on there that is cool and worth your time reading. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's D-A-R-Y-L-S-U-R-A-T is my username, and I post a lot of bullshit. Yeah, just because I've never actually pointed out on the Oscast, also Twitter, it's the Basil feed. I don't post a lot, mostly because I'm usually, when I'm looking at it, I'm at work and don't have a chance to actually type anything into it. Yeah, I've got a phone that supports it, so that is really my main usage for it. That's my excuse, the reason why it's ruined my life. I'm still holding out. I don't have Facebook yet. Even though there is an annual order, like, fan group for yeah, Facebook. Yeah, Gerald has it. He made one. Uh, I don't think he – I don't know if he updates it or what, but, yeah, it does exist. There is a, a fan group, so be our friend on Facebook. When and if – I mean, the next Xbox Live update is adding Twitter and Facebook in right into the Xbox dashboard – I really hope that doesn't get used for obnoxious evil, but it probably will. That's Tuesday. Uh, uh, actually, the, d- the day after this up, this gets uploaded. So we'll see, dear viewers. It will be used for evil. I'm predicting it now. Much evil. Great evil. World-shattering evil. The only solution is Rocket Punch. It is. That's right. <laughs> and with that, we are out. <laughs>